I think I still think I'm not where I should be. I think I, there's obviously there's always room for improvement. Um, it's definitely a weird concept to think like I'm this I'm at the the top of the elite lacrosse players now. I I still think that there's still so many great players right. that are so much further above me. If you're a person who's heard the word no from a boss, an ex, a team that cut you, a job market that didn't want you, an accident or diagnosis that left you debilitated and depressed, or felt paralyzed by any setback that you just weren't willing to accept, this is the show for you. Because it'll teach you what my dad always taught me, that failure is just opportunity in disguise. This is Matthew Del Negro, and you're listening to 10,000 No's. Welcome back to 10,000 No's. Boston College women's lacrosse season begins tomorrow, and that is why my guest today is their current assistant coach, Sam Apuzo. Now, if you're not familiar with the game of lacrosse, you may not realize what a VIP Sam is. I'm about to give you a list of her accomplishments, but I will tell you this. Amongst my nieces, who are all lacrosse players in high school, this interview alone is probably the one that gives me the best street cred with them when Sam's name is brought up and they realized that I was going to sit down with her. They went bananas. So uh, very cool for me. You're going to hear a shout out to uh, my nieces in the middle of the interview, but uh, I'm excited about that. Sam is one of the most decorated athletes in Boston College history. During her playing career with the Eagles, Apuzo helped lead the team to three consecutive national championship appearances and two back-to-back undefeated regular seasons during her junior and senior years. She holds the all-time program records for career points, goals, and draw controls, and is tied with teammate Kenzie Kent for the fastest number of games to reach 100 career points at 25 games. She ranks fourth all-time in assists. She holds the first, third, and fourth single-season point records, as well as the first, second, and third single-season goal records. Over her career, she has had four 10-point performances headlined by a nine-goal contribution against Navy and multiple eight-goal outputs. If you've never played lacrosse, you may not realize that that is just insane. Apuzo reigns as BC's only Tawaratan Award recipient her junior year two years ago in 2018. For those of you not familiar with this award, it is the equivalent of the Heisman Trophy for NCAA football or the Hobie Baker Award in college hockey. It means she was voted the best of the best. She was also a nominee the year before she won and a top five finalist the year after. She also claimed the Honda Award for lacrosse in 2018 and was a finalist again in 2019. She was a three-time IWLCA First Team All-America selection, a two-time IWLCA Attacker of the Year, a two-time Inside Lacrosse Preseason All-American, a three-time NCAA All-Tournament Team Selection, a three-time All-ACC First Team Selection, a three-time All-ACC Tournament Team Selection, and the ACC Attacker of the Year honoree in back-to-back years. But what I loved about her most when we sat down was that despite all of this, at her core, Sam is just a hardworking, polite, and humble young woman with a love for the game that I once played at the same college, albeit not nearly as well as she did. She made me proud to be a Boston College alum, and as you'll hear in keeping with the 10,000 No's theme, while she has reached heights at a young age that many of us will never reach, her accomplishments did not come without resilience and the ability to overcome setbacks and missteps. Here she is, the legendary Sam Apuzo. Present day, you are assistant coach for BC Women's Lacrosse with Acacia Walker. Yeah. Who you played for. for four, how's that going? How Like, what's the transition like from being a complete star to now all of a sudden you're assistant coaching? So you're, so you're coaching people that you played with for the last three years. Yeah. I mean, it's been a really different kind of atmosphere. It's a hard transition. I'm still kind of figuring it out. We've only just started a few weeks ago. Um, 
but it it's tough just sitting on the sidelines and not being on the field. We had practice today, and I was, like, itching to get in a drill. Um, and, it, I mean, it, it definitely – it's a different experience, something that I, I want to pursue, but it's hard to watch, like, my best friends play and not being on the field – since I was on the field just a few months ago with them. But. That's what's so crazy to me because yeah. it's one thing to go like, okay, I'm going to go, I'm going to go coach and you do it somewhere else, yeah. you know, and, and you don't have any relationship to that field, to mm-hmm. those players, but to do it and to have, to have been playing that recently, I, and those are your teammates yeah. now, it, it, that seems like it would be uh, kind of like bring up some issues. Like you said, like I, I would imagine you're like, yeah, I want to get out there. Like this is how you do it. And uh, maybe a frustration or maybe is that, is that kind of where your mind is right now? Like, are you, are you, what are your plans in terms of playing you continuing to play and you coaching? Like, is there, is there a game plan right now? Or are you just like, okay, this is something I'm doing right now. And I'm figuring out what the next step is. Yeah, I'm still going. So I'm going to grad school still here at BC. So I'm doing the coaching kind of figure out whether or not I do want to continue my career in coaching. And if not, I would like to stay in athletics, but I'm still playing with the USA team and the pro league. So I'm still keeping myself involved no matter what, even if I don't end up coaching after I finish grad school. Yeah. Um, and where does it, how does that work with the USA team? Are you like, are, are you out of season right now? So you're not practicing or what, how does that? So for the USA team, it's kind of like a development program, kind of similar to like US soccer, where every few months there's a training weekend and you get asked to go to the training weekend. So there's not really an off period you're kind of always have to be on, always have to be in shape, always have the stick in your hand um, and be ready to play because you can get asked to a training weekend. And if you don't play well, you won't be asked back again. Wow. So it's kind of very cutthroat. So you need to go into every single weekend with like you being at your best, which is not easy to do, especially since I'm out of college now and not playing. Every day. Yeah. And logistically, is it all over the country or is it always in one spot? It's all over the place. So. And you have to fly yourself there or they fly they, you there? They help out work? with they, uh, getting you there. So yeah. they're really accommodating with that stuff. Wow, that's that's pretty crazy. And how many how many women are in involved in that? And then how how much will that get narrowed down to eventually like the the, the people that are going on and, and like is it is it a is it something where you can get cut and you're done? Mm-hmm. So there's a pool of players, which I think of right now, there's about maybe 80 players. So those are girls who are getting asked back or they have gotten asked to come to a training weekend and weren't asked to go to the next one. So they're still in a pool of players that the coaches can pick from. Um, But the World Cup isn't for another two summers. So it won't be until I think a year out that they'll start making legitimate cuts. And then how many will... How many will be on that team that goes to the World Cup? There will be 18. 18. Yeah. Out of 80. Yeah. So this is, I mean, that's just even just going back to what I was saying in the beginning. It seems like, oh, it's, you know, oh, well, she's getting everything's going her way. She's so great. She's getting all these accolades. But it's it's not easy staying on top. Yeah. And so each weekend, 25 get asked to go. So it's still... You can be asked to go every single weekend, and then the last cut, you just get like you could train with them the entire two years. Last cut, get cut, and then Oof. you're not on the team. Oh, yeah, <laughs> that is rough. Yeah, and then what? Okay, so grad school here at BC. What are you studying? What are you getting your? What'd you get? What'd you go undergrad? What'd you do actually? What was I did major? applied psychology and human development, and uh, then communications as a minor. Okay, yeah. and then what's the grad school uh, you're going toward? I'm getting my master's in sports administration. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So uh, take us back to early years. Uh, I mean, you're still for me. Yeah. You're still in your early <laughs> years. You're a lot younger than I yeah. am. So, but take us back to like childhood. Like, when did you have a stick in your hand? When did you start playing the sport? When did you start loving the sport? Becoming obsessed with it? Did mm-hmm. you play other things first? Were you playing soccer before? What was the progression on that? Um, yeah, I grew up with three older brothers, so like sports was kind of like instilled in me. Um, I played. So I was a really big into soccer. I wouldn't, I wouldn't say I was necessarily good, but I was really 
like involved with soccer and a few of my friends had played lacrosse who lived on my block and they were like you're an athlete like gave me a stick how old, how old at that point I was about I think I was in fourth grade fourth grade and where were you uh living where'd you grow up I grew up on Long Island where so where West Babylon West Babylon at Suffolk County yep. okay. yeah yeah South Shore okay. my wife is a uh, Long Beach oh really Nassau okay County. yeah not South, too <laughs> South Shore closer to the city yeah, yeah not too far okay so West Babylon your fourth grade somebody these are older kids uh, tell you to, girls that are my age yeah your age yeah okay. my neighbors um so they had asked me to play didn't really wasn't really interested in my one of my older brothers had played not he wasn't very competitive but my dad had gone out to like models and got me a bunch of like the whole equipment my stick my goggles I remember him coming home and me hysterical crying because <laughs> I thought he wasted all this money on all the equipment and I wasn't going to play and I was like not going to enjoy it um but then I ended up being like relatively good at it I could catch the ball so I thought I was Doing all right. Yeah. Um, did your dad play in college? Or no, no, they didn't. My neither of my parents neither were athletes. Play. No. What, uh, and what made he just did it because the the kids yeah said he, to do it and he just wanted to support. Yeah, body. like all of my all of my friends were doing it and kind of wanted to keep me involved with everything. Yeah. Um. So I did that, and it wasn't until like I want to say seventh or eighth grade that I like made lacrosse kind of my main sport. I played soccer and basketball through my whole life, and um. I never really focused on something specifically, but eighth grade, I kind of realized that I love lacrosse and I knew I wanted to like continue with it and eventually play in college. So that's kind of when I kind of, I didn't stop playing the other sports, but I focused more of my energy on lacrosse and doing extra stuff with that. So what was it about lacrosse specifically that you loved? If you could put your, maybe it's not something you can articulate, but what, like, what was it that just that you were that much better at that or was um, there something about the game itself? I think, I think the, f how like team oriented it was, I, I played basketball and I still think basketball is my favorite sport, which is kind of funny to say, but, um, lacrosse is just a fluid, like kind of very strategic sport. I think it's a little bit different now than when I was growing up the rules, but, I thought there was so much um, strategy in the offense, and I liked how like specific things had to be. Basketball was fun because it was so energetic, and you're going back and forth a lot. But um, I, I liked like the you needed to have an IQ to play lacrosse on offense, and I think that really kind of drew me, drew me to it. Yeah. So were you, are you a, a student, like in school, were, are you, do you consider yourself an academic? Were, were you also a, a student in school? Because it sounds like you're a student of the game or were yeah, you not? Yeah, I mean, I wouldn't say I'm, <laughs> I'm like particularly about, like, I love, like, I, I do well in school, but it was, I was never like all about school. I yeah. think I, it's awesome. It has gotten me so much so far, but um, I wouldn't say I'm a big academic person I, I like but when it comes to lacrosse. your sport yeah. you are like you know everything about the game yeah and, I try. and you have and and anybody who hasn't listened acacia walker uh who is sam's is the head coach at sam's assistant uh, to now and who coached sam at bc i had her on Ten Thousand no's and she's just an incredible really incredible mm -hmm. woman I, I feel like the way she talks about team and the reliance that you have on each other. Yeah. It just, it it seemed from the outside and I would love to hear more about it, but but just like such a family. Yeah. That you guys had such a bond. Definitely. Um, so in high school, so you're, you were back in whatever, eighth grade, you start to go, okay, this is my sport. This is what mm -hmm. I'm going to do. Were you a part of, like, was West Babylon a great program? Was it, or was it, did you, did you have a good coach? Did you have somebody there? Or did you have to go do travel teams to get, better coaching and all that. Um, I did travel teams. West Babylon wasn't particularly good. We had one or two girls. We've always, but it was, it's a kind of strange because we always kind of produce good lacrosse players. So myself came out of the school. Another um, Toronton winner actually came from my school too. Really? Yeah. Wait, that's, that's amazing. Yeah. So it's it's crazy how things work out. Um, just but so our anybody listening, good. I just got to pause you for a second. Yeah. A Toraton Award is the equivalent if you are a, a a football fan. It's it's the Heisman, really. I mean, it's the best player mm -hmm. in the NCAA. Yeah. It's 
that's incredible to me that, that two of you came out of your high school. Yeah. And how how uh, much older or younger was she? Um, she was, I think she's six years older than me. Six or seven years huh. older. Yeah. All right. I'm going to pause. I have a question. For, you keep going on your track, but I want to ask you how how she weighed into your whole mindset. But go, but go on. You were kind of, I, I maybe. Oh, yeah. I was just saying how West Babylon, we never really were great at lacrosse. We got to the playoffs maybe once or twice. Um, but it was kind of my travel team that like I I kind of leaned more on because it was more way more competitive and had better coaching, um, just more competition. And uh, was that like a Long Island all-star team that went and... Yeah, it was just like a tra- travel across where yeah. you kind of travel to tournaments all over the but country. I mean, where were they pulling girls from all over Long Island or just Suffolk County or um, how, all like, over Long Island, all over Long yeah. Island? And then where would you go? Like, because that's a whole, you know, I'm just thinking of your parents and what they you know, must have had to do. I know people that have kids that play hockey mm-hmm. in where I live now in L.A. They, yeah. I, I ran into a guy, another actor, and he's like, oh, my kid's playing hockey and he's pretty serious. And yeah. he's like, it is. It's awful. <laughs> he's like, it's full on when yeah. you're in Southern California. He's like, we have to go to Chicago. There's nobody to play around. Yeah. This. Now. Yeah. Long Island's a hotbed for lacrosse. You know, I, I grew up in Westchester County, mm-hmm. so it was the same thing where I was, and then Syracuse and Baltimore. Yeah. So it's not like you were at least in a hotbed, but you had to travel where? Like, did we, you? We travel. I was in Maryland every weekend. Every weekend for tournaments, yeah. Maryland and Jersey. All through high school. Yep. Like, Less, well, in, only in the summer was our our main season. Okay, but. You didn't have a break. It was every single weekend you were driving down there. And then what about practices? You're practicing how many days a week? Two to three. Uh, two times a week. Two times a week. The week and yeah. did you know at what point were you like, okay, I'm, I'm going, I'm going to play in college. I'm going to play D1 in college. And I, wait, was there a certain point where you turned the corner and you just, you knew you were like, when you were a freshman, were you playing varsity as a freshman? Yeah, I actually was playing varsity as an eighth grader. As an eighth grader. Yeah. That's crazy to <laughs> yeah. me. And and were you also like leading the team and at at that age? Um, not near no, not at that age. But I mean I was still definitely a part of the offense and all that stuff, but I wasn't where I was when I was a senior, not even close. So let me ask <laughs> you then, just as in terms of mindset, because I, I never was pulled up. Like, you know, we talked a little bit beforehand. I played at BC, but I was like, you know, I, I was never the best guy on my high school team, mm-hmm. let alone college. I was never even, I don't even think top five athletes on my high school. I had all Americans <laughs> around me. I was uh-huh. kind of like a role player. I, yeah. I, I was kind of a grinder, but I wasn't particularly incredible athlete. I can't imagine being in eighth grade and you're playing against seniors and you're and you're actually contributing to the team mm-hmm. what what was your were you just so naive that you didn't realize what a big deal it was or were you just like were you really confident when you got there how did you see your opponents and how did you did it even weigh into your whole overall experience that you were so young like were there other 8th graders or just you um it was just me that. Uh, there was one other eighth grader, yeah. Okay. Did that girl go on to play and, and have as big of a career as you? Um, no, she didn't. Yeah. Did she play even all the way through high school? She did. She played till senior year, yeah. Didn't play in college? No. Interesting. Okay. So you're eighth grade, you're playing up, and did you, like, were you aware of the fact that you were so young? Were you aware that it was a big deal or no? At the time, definitely not. Um, I think it was kind of a interesting experience. A lot of, I had a lot of friends that were older than me, so I've been playing with them since I was first started. So it wasn't that different playing up just because I was playing with those girls so much already. Right. Um, I wouldn't say I was very confident. I was like the smallest girl on the field um, at the time, but I had a lot of like good leadership uh, role models on the team, like girls that, another, a girl who was a senior at the time she was going to Northwestern and I she kind of really like helped me through the whole thing like she really told me like I, they needed me out there kind of like me gave me confidence um when I didn't really have much as a 13 year old uh, playing on a high school field yeah but that's cool and are you still in touch with her to yeah this day? yeah I do talk to her that's great and, and did she play all four years at Northwestern yeah. and, and had a good career yeah that's yeah. very cool yeah that's that's great to hear and and Okay, so you do that in eighth grade. At what point 
do you just become the go-to person on your high school team? Was it ninth grade or was it a little later? Or when when do you start to dominate? Um, I would say ninth grade, I kind of stepped into a bigger, a way larger role on the team. I'd be kind of, a lot of people graduated, so I kind of became the, like, the next person to go to. So I might have not, like, wanted that, but I kind of had to step into that position um, at the time. But I think ninth grade was definitely where I transitioned from being, like, this little eighth grader to, like, running kind of the West Valley on offense. Well, that that's cool the way you put it. For listeners of, of this show, I think, is that you said, like, you didn't necessarily want it. But it was you were placed in that position. It was like, hey, we need you to be a leader. But you weren't necessarily psyched about that call. Yeah. But what you did it anyway, Mm -hmm. obviously. How did that go for you ninth grade? Did it was it like a a transitional year where you started maybe not so sure of yourself in that role? And then by the end of ninth grade, did you feel like, boom, here I am, this is what you're doing. You're doing it, even if girls were what, three years older than you? You're yeah. still kind of directing them a little bit? That was probably my hardest um, transition was that just taught, like being confident enough to talk to the girls that are older than me and kind of direct them just because it is kind of like you don't want to step on someone's toes. Like this is high school, like girls are catty. Um, yeah. How'd you navigate that? Was it? Did you have problems in that arena like where they were like, who's this ninth grader telling us what to do? I mean, not like... <laughs> something that's would be said it's I kind of I definitely sat like back on my heels a little bit just because I didn't want to do that um I'm a pretty I'm a generally quiet person so for me to like get up in someone's face I would never do that but like (laughs) for me to yell at someone or kind of like tell them they're not doing the right thing was a really difficult thing even going into in college too like I had a hard time with that really um but I think my coach definitely like always like push me to like say things or like explain to the entire team so like pushing me kind of getting me out of my comfort zone with that stuff was helpful I guess yeah yeah and and did you um would you say that you led then with just your actions would you out hustle everybody outrun everybody outplay I mean it was that kind of the way where you like one of that we had we had I had guys that I played with that were like that were just they didn't have to say much. They mm-hmm. just, they just were. Actually, there's one guy I'm thinking of who uh, went to my high school. I never played anything with him. He was a couple years older, but probably the best athlete I've ever seen up up close. And mm-hmm. a friend of mine now, but he was, you know, at the time when I was younger, I would I would look to him. He really didn't say much. Yeah. But he was the leader. Like on the yeah, football yeah. team, he was the leader. He mm-hmm. was a great running back, a great linebacker, and he. He didn't have to say anything. Yeah. His his the way he played said mm-hmm. it all, and yeah. and like it demanded respect from those around him. Would, would you say it was more that leadership? Yeah, I would quality. Yeah, I would yeah. say I led. Tried I tried to lead by like example and like making sure I was doing all the right stuff, so they could everyone else could see that and kind of like follow in that sense. Yeah, and and so you go through high school. Uh, you you never won any like state championships no, or anything like no. that and and it and and were you uh would that frustrate you or would that drive you more with your travel team to go you know to, for for like did you end up on the travel teams did did those teams go far and win anything or um not really i mean i even to this day i've never really won a championship in my life um that's that's crazy to me. Yeah. Unbelievable. Well, hopefully it'll be the, uh, the World Cup. <laughs> yeah. That's that's what I, I hope. We just, yeah. we just you're just holding Fingers it crossed. back for yeah. that. All right. Well, you know that that's it's you know uh, I I feel bad that that's for for you, mm-hmm. but for our listeners, I think that's kind of great. It's called Ten Thousand No's, and yeah. it's like here you are, uh, one of the best players in the game, if not the, and you've not won a championship and there are many lesser players who have championship Mm -hmm. rings, you know? So how do you, you let's call that a no for the purposes of this show. How do you uh, 
process that? How do you let that motivate you? How does that affect you? Does it, is it something you think about all the time? Is it something that you, when you're training, you put it in your head, like I, as a, as like fire under your ass to, mm-hmm. to go the next step? Uh, does it bum you out? Does it, what is it, what does it do to you? If it, if anything, I'm sure it's got to affect you. And so, yeah, way. I mean, I think the fact that not only that I have number one, but I've gone so close so many times. Oh, I was, I was so frustrating watching, <laughs> but I don't want to, you know, if I want to bring it yeah. up, I've been like, I don't know if I bring it up. Yeah, and no. it's, like, it's so frustrating. It was so yeah. frustrating like, to watch. Like I could grasp it with my fingertips and everything. It would always kind of fall in front of me. So that was definitely always a bummer and something that it's going to live with me forever. It's, it's a feeling that kind of is always there. Uh, but I also, I do think it's something that does motivate me, especially with the fact that I'm done with my collegiate career, that now I only have the pro teams championships and, and hopefully be able to play in the, like in the world cup and maybe Olympics one day, depending if it gets in, but it, it's something that like I I need it kind of like I, I it's pushing me to get to that spot and pushing me to be the best I possibly can, even though I don't have like the college uh, like arena anymore to play in. Yeah. So you just said something and you just kind of threw it away. And I'm wondering, like, so you were like, you know, so get to the, you know, the World Cup or, or maybe the Olympics someday. <laughs> What is that? Like, I, I did because you're you and you're with you every day. Maybe it doesn't seem, but to me, it's like hearing that you, you just throw away, like going, going to the Olympics is such a huge deal. You know, I, I, my, my brother's girls who actually, I'm going to, I'm going to shout them out because <laughs> Chloe Del Negro and Grace Del Negro who play lacrosse and love BC <laughs> lacrosse and met you. And there's a picture with you somewhere that, uh, you know, they're like, you got to mention this. Yeah. So there you go, guys. Um, they, you know, they're, they were, uh, great skiers and really into skiing. Mm-hmm. And I remember saying to my brother, um, years ago, uh, like, now, do you think they'll go, they were in skiing in Squaw Valley. I'm like, yeah. do you think they'll, or Alpine Meadows? And I'm like, do, do you think they'll go to the Olympics? And my brother's like, the, these the, the the level to go to the Olympics. Everybody says we well, go to the Olympics. Yeah. He's like, do you know how tiny the percentage is? Yeah. And and the ones that really do it, they end up having to move to the mountain so they can ski every day, yeah. all the time. I mean, it is a huge deal. And you are in a position right now where you just that's a throwaway. Like, and maybe the Olympics someday. How does that? Did you foresee that when you were back? Let's say, like, go back to eighth grade, ninth grade. Did I, I know you loved it, but did, did you imagine this this kind of trajectory? I'm, I'm sure you dreamed it in some mm-hmm. way, but, but how did it like weigh in? You you've actually made it happen. Um, is there a question in here? I don't know if there's a question. I'm just I I'm kind of what what level does that put you in? What pressure does that put on yourself now that that's the goal? Is it? Do you feel like you're you, you just have this internal pressure that you uh, or internal governor that kind of makes you get up in the morning and do things that much better than everybody else. Yeah, I think especially with the Olympics, um, potentially being in the 2028 um, games, I, I think the fact that that is a possibility, it, I might maybe like very old. I might not be in the best shape, but I think being, having the chance to at least train or at least be able to be a part of, um, the process to getting the team to the Olympics, whether I'm on the team or not, um, is something that I want to be a part of. You, you think of Olympic athletes and you think that they're, you think of them as like these incredible people, like just so elite and, only there's is a small amount of people that are are Olympic Olympians, and I think being able to have a chance to be at in the process of doing that and creating a team and kind of kind of bulldozing the the way um, it's definitely something that can put that's pushing me to be my best and train even harder than I was in college and in all kind of that sense. Yeah, 
Yeah. And, and in terms of like envisioning something like, you know, putting the Olympics out in front of you, going back to, uh, I don't know who, what her name was, the, the girl who went to your high school and won the Tuareton b- before you, mm-hmm. six years ahead of you. Did that in some way, and maybe you've never thought about it before, but the fact that someone from your high school won it, did it make it say like, oh, well, it's possible that I could be that person too. Yeah. I, mean, I did the same things that she did. I walked the same hallways that she walked. Mm-hmm. Like, why not? Yeah. Did that weigh into it in some way? Yeah. Or? Well, the the pers- the girl who won it, um, her name's Sh- Shannon Smith, and she actually is kind of like my mentor. I'm really good friends with her now. Um, we've have, we have a great relationship. Our families are such great friends. And I think when I was, I think she won it when I was just getting in high school. I think I was a freshman maybe. Um, but to see that she had won the, the Toraton and like, she just was like a God to me. Like I, I worshiped like how she played and, but I never really imagined myself doing it. Like I just thought she was on such another level. Um, and then I think as I got into college, I, I kind of realized that this could be a possibility. It's not very likely, but it's a potential thing that could happen. Um, but she, I think seeing her do it definitely motivated me to like, to not only play at elite program, but like just to, in general to play lacrosse in college. Like she kind of like the fact that she came from West Balbon, who wasn't a strong program um, and accomplished so much, uh, definitely was like this driving factor that, that was like, I can do it too if I really tried. Yeah. And are you able to now, I don't want to set you up so people are like, oh, she thinks she's so great. But are you able to look at yourself and say like, yes, I am I am an elite athlete on the level of Shannon. Like I am that person. Someone is looking up to me. Like my my nieces mm-hmm. are, uh, are, are looking up to you. You are that that God to them. Like, is that, is that weird to compute in your brain? Are you like, no, no, that's not like I'm, because I, I still struggle with this, 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 and Mm -hmm. this. How do you, is it something that you are um, able to kind of give yourself that credit or are you still like, no, you got to get better? No. Yeah. I I think I still think I'm not where I should be. I think there's obviously there's always room for improvement. Um, it's definitely a weird concept to think like I'm this I'm at the the top of the elite lacrosse players now. I I still think that there's still so many great players right. that are so much further above me. Um and there even there's girls that I know that are still in high school that can beat me <laughs> any day of the week. Um so it's hard to compute that that idea. Um but I definitely especially this summer working, um, coaching and during the summer tournaments, like the, the response from the young girls, uh, as me, as a role model, it's so, it's, it's kind of an incredible feeling. It's, it's weird, but also like really humbling. Um, and it's like, I'm really not that cool. (laughs) Like, I really don't really sure I'm deserve this, like all this credit. Um, I think everybody (laughs) I sit down with, because I sit down with all kinds, you're not just athletes, you know, it's everybody across the board and, I think everybody that's that's kind of had pretty huge accomplishments still feels that same way. There's yeah. I, I talked to a woman recently who was one of the top 10 female entrepreneurs in Australia. And I asked her a similar question. Mm-hmm. She's like, well, she's like, no, I, I, I see it. You know, I've got this company that does this well, yeah. but but I don't think about it until like every year they do the awards for it. And then yeah. she's like, oh, it seems silly. You would be calling me that, mm-hmm. you know, it's a, because what makes you great I think what makes one great in any field is that feeling of, I still need to learn. I yeah. still need to learn. So what, you, you know, you've had an incredible career, you, and, and even from a young age, but what were the biggest challenges for you? And it could be, it could be on the field. It, it could be that, but maybe, maybe, or maybe it was a social thing. Maybe it was related to, being so good. And like you said, other girls are catty. I don't know if it's in high school. Like what, what were, were there any like challenges that were really tough for you to overcome, to get to where you are right now that, that like that stick out to you that you think of, you know, that was a really r- like a rough patch or a, 
anything like that? Yeah, I think when I was in high school, I had my senior year of high school going into college, I was on the, it was a U, U19 USA team and I was tried out. I did the whole tryout all the way to the end. And then instead of, I didn't make the team, but I was an alternate. So I traveled with the team, but I was not allowed to step on the field. And I kind of had to sit. I couldn't even sit on the sidelines with the field, uh, with the team. I had to sit in the stands with like the families. So I think that was like a really like fire for me that I like got so close to being able to play for a World Cup at when I was um, before going into college. And it was a really big deal. Like I kind of it definitely took it to heart going into school because I was going to be competing against all these girls that were on the team in college. And I was like, I should be out there. I should be playing. I should be on that team. And getting into college, I was like, it made it hard for me to adjust because I was just told that I wasn't good enough to play with these elite freshmen coming into college. Um, So I think that like kind of messed with you psychologically. Yeah, it definitely did it affect your freshman year. Um, initially, because I I came in not that anyone freshman really comes in with a ton of confidence on the field, um, but I was came in very unsure of like where I stood. Were you playing more tentatively at that point because of it? Yeah, definitely. And in the fall, I think I had a hard time adjusting to everything going on um, on the field just because I wasn't necessarily the top 25 of my class. Not the top 25. And what I love about that is those are the same girls that you beat out for the Tauraton. Mm-hmm. Your junior, junior year. Junior yeah. So that was freshman year you felt unsure. Next, Not the next season, but the following season. Boom. Yeah. I, I absolutely love that. You know, and like, and just what that sends, you know, the message it sends to anybody, but particularly, particularly young girls that are playing now, my nieces, I have another niece on the East Coast, Charlotte Irwin, giving her a shout out to <laughs> who plays as well. So it's it's big in our in our family. Yeah. My daughter played this year. Now, the other thing is my daughter, we, we had her play this year uh-huh. and she's only, you know, she was in third grade. Now yeah. she's in fourth. And she was like crying the whole time. Oh. Didn't like it. Yet she had no friends on the team. Oh. She didn't want to play it. So we're like, just go easy. It's yeah, going to yeah. be okay. But like, I love hearing that you, you were crying when your dad yeah. got to the equipment. But but what I love for people, for for young girls to hear in particular is you are not defined by that. It feels like it at the moment. You mm-hmm. feel like you're the outsider. Like, yeah. why were you the alternate? Why mm-hmm. couldn't you go on? But it's that's a really quick time to then become the number one player in the country. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's congratulations. And that's awesome. And I want to ask you, like, how did you flip it in your mind? How How did you do that? You're like, I'm just a badass. No. That's how I do it. Well, no, what, what did you, you know, what did you do to in your mind? How how did you change the game? In it? It, well, in high school, I, I definitely had a lot of confidence issues with, like, who I was. I was, like I said, I was never a talkative person. So I had a hard time making connections with people I was playing with. And teams like that, like USA teams, you, you need to have good chemistry with the girls on your team. So that definitely put me at a big disadvantage because I wasn't this big um, person. I didn't have a big personality. I wasn't very talkative. Uh, so I think that definitely put me in a place where it didn't make it easy for me to make the team. And then when I got to college, it was kind of a different atmosphere that I was placed in. Everyone wasn't as cutthroat. Like, fa- not, like everyone was wanting to see each other do well. And I kind of responded really well to that. And I felt that I could still be quiet, but also have like good connections with the girls on the team because they wanted me to, they wanted me to succeed. They wanted to build that connection. Um, and comparing to the U19 where everyone was like kind of out for themselves, like every man from themselves kind of atmosphere. Yeah. Um, so I, I got more confidence with, uh, my ability to make connections with people like Acacia really pushed me to to go hang out with a senior and go shoot around and kind of that that relationships that I was able to make changed my whole kind of um, 
sense of the game and kind of where I stood and my abilities. I was able to show my abilities a little bit more because I wasn't so scared to like be um, the kind of player that I was. Yeah. And and do you think like if you were like, have you ended up coming around with some of those U19 girls that were like, like, are there relationships there now because you've changed and you realize like, was there any part of that experience that yes, maybe it was cutthroat. Yes. Maybe people were out for themselves, but there was there a part of you where you go, well, it was also on me. I went in there and I didn't talk. Yeah. I went in there and I didn't try to connect with anybody. Yeah. And do you think now given that, like, let's hope that it's, you know, this is going to be your future that you are going to be playing mm-hmm. on on the you know two years from now it you are a different person now yeah. and and so do you feel like that is uh had you gone into it then with this new attitude mm-hmm. do you think you maybe yeah. could have made the team or it could have been a different outcome i think i actually i do think that about that a lot about the attitude i did go into the into the tryout with um i think now if i if things were different i I would be more willing to put myself out there and kind of get myself in the group more more so than I did when I was in high school when I was 18 years old. Um, I think it would be a different, I don't know if it would be a different outcome. I still, you can never really yeah, just yeah, think yeah. about that, but. Um, you might've had a better shot. I might've had a be- also a better experience as, as a whole, even if I didn't, weren't to make the, if I didn't make the, the travel part, um, I think. I, my whole kind of memory of the the, the championship would have been way different. Yeah, yeah. Well, that that's you know the whole reason I'm here at Boston College this this week is because I I spoke to like communications and film students and and one of the questions that they kind of asked was about like if they don't know where they don't know how to do what it is they want to do. Um, you know, how do they get there? And one of the things I said was what happens naturally and what I've learned since being here in college, I think I was, I had like academics was on one side of my brain mm-hmm. and then social life was on the other side yeah. of my brain. And, and what has happened in my adult life and in my career is that it's all kind of melded more so that relationships, and that's kind of what you're talking about. Yeah. It's like relationships, the, the power of relationships. I mean, mm-hmm. just if you had had connections to, the other girls that were trying out and it, it just the the benefits of that of of feeling part of the group and that's something that I think Acacia has done beautifully with you guys and and um it sounds like that the, the real thing that you learned maybe at BC was all about that community and yeah. family of a team mm-hmm. um I, I could keep you here uh, for for a long time with all these questions. I mean, I, 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 um, I'm I so hopeful for you. One, I just want to make a comment. You know, you're how, how old are you? 22. 22. You're very well-spoken, uh, very composed, very thoughtful uh, for all of your accomplishments, very humble. Um, so just appreciate <laughs> it. I'm, imp- I'm impressed by it. Um, and I guess I, I that's... Before I get to my kind of little finale here, uh, I wondered as we were setting up this interview via text, you know, I'm texting you and and and, and I'm like, God, when I was that age, I didn't. Th- this is like this 47 year old dude is texting you about <laughs> setting up an interview, and I thought, huh, being a star athlete on the collegiate level, you you were forced in a way to grow up. I mean, you've had media, mm-hmm. you, you know, you're interviewed, you're on TV, on yeah. national TV. Are you even aware of that? Like the, the kind of the training that you've had that other friends of yours that are not play, maybe the ones on your team have a similar mm-hmm. deal, but I'm sure you have some friends that are not lacrosse players. Yeah. Is that, are you cognizant of that? Like how much you've had to be an adult for kind of a long time now? Yeah. I mean, I don't really think like when you say it like that, it, kind of clicks a little bit more but just because it's like part of the your whole life. Yeah, yeah it's, it's part a, of part of the lacrosse world part of what BC is and it it doesn't really you don't really kind of think about it as much when you're in the moment um with all that stuff yeah but you but so so then just going back to one other thing what you were saying business administration that's you're getting your masters yes. or, or sports administration sports administration Sorry. yeah so would you 
see yourself or could you see yourself as an athletic director at some point down the line? Is that something that would be appealing to you or would you prefer to be the head coach of a great program the way Acacia is? What, mm -hmm. what, what, what's like if you had to dream, let's say, you know, I was going to say 10 years from now, but it sounds <laughs> like I want you, uh, you know, I want yeah. you to the Olympics. So that's about 10, right? That's still a little nine years off. Is it 2028? And we're 2028, in, yeah. Yeah. So that's nine years yeah. off. So 10 years, let's say 15 years out, if you could see yourself, where, where, where could you see yourself going? You'll still be in the game of lacrosse? Yeah, I definitely want to still have my hand in, in lacrosse, whether I'm coaching. Um, I, I'm not totally sold on the whole coaching thing yet. I'm, I'm giving it a little test this year to see whether or not it's something I want to pursue. Um, but if, if not, I definitely want to stay in athletics. So whether it's an athletic director um, at a college or I would even do like a high school athletic director so I can have kind of more um, kind of kind of power power and <laughs> especially with lacrosse too I can kind of well listen on you that. have to make a promise to me and everybody that's listening if you are the athletic director at Boston College <laughs> you will make a lot of my old teammates very happy <laughs> including Dave DeFranco yeah. who set this thing up you'll make them very happy and myself as well if you can get men's lacrosse back to being that division be one first, at Boston that College that's actually my thing. I'm throwing down the gauntlet <laughs> To BC right here, right now. I'm going to get petitions yeah. going out. Come on. Come on. They lost it. It went to a club in uh, 2000. Yeah. I, I actually was up here for that last game when it went last D1 game before. Oh, really? It, it went. Uh, yeah. Uh -huh. So I graduated in 94 and then yeah. I came back like, you know, six years later and saw that. And it's just it's just too bad because it's yeah. a school where I think lacrosse, men's lacrosse would also thrive, it especially awesome, with you yeah. guys being who you are. It just mm -hmm. it just. It, it seems sense. it seems yeah. so weird to me that it's not. So hopefully they will reconsider. Yeah. Um, okay, three quick questions. The word no actually means what? Um, work harder, I think. Work harder. I love it. Okay, go-to mantra when everything falls apart. Do you have something that you kind of come back to that, you, that runs through your brain in some way? Or maybe not, but... Um, I mean, this is really cliche, but the like idea that everything happens for a reason. It's cliche, but I use it every day. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so I guess I'm cliche yeah, too. No. And, and the last question, and I hate to do this because you are so young already, you're 22, <laughs> but I ask everybody, I'm going to ask you, um, if you could give advice to your younger self, what age would you intervene and what would the advice be? Uh, I would intervene my freshman year of high school and I would say to not take not not put so much pressure on myself to when picking a school for college like picking a college I stressed out a lot with my whole recruiting process and it kind of like kind of threw me off that whole freshman year um I would definitely say to like have more fun with it and really like take in all the experiences you have First of all, great answer. But second of all, that is crazy to me that you were doing recruiting. You had recruiting issues when you were a freshman in high school. Yeah. I, I have a feeling that you were slightly better as a freshman than I was. <laughs> I, I did not have that my freshman year. I was not even playing varsity. Sam Apuzo, thank you so much. This is awesome. I'm so glad we got to meet yeah. and, and sit down. Thank you. Thanks so much. Yeah. What we do here is go back, 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 back. I hope you loved Sam's humility and lack of pretense as much as I did. Here are my top three takeaways from the conversation. Always hard to limit these. Number one, the power of those in leadership positions to influence those under them when they pay it forward. She kind of really like helped me through the whole thing. Like she really told me like I, they needed me out there, kind of like me, gave me confidence um, when I didn't really have much as a... 13-year-old playing on a high school field. That was Sam talking about the senior who mentored her when she was playing up on varsity in eighth grade. I love that that player went on to play four years at Northwestern. I always say the most confident and secure people lift others up around them. And obviously she was a big influence on Sam. Number two, I'm always telling my kids this, what you want to do and what you need to do are not always the same thing. It might feel more secure in your own little bubble, but sometimes you need to be pushed out of it. I'm a generally quiet person, so 
for me to like get up in someone's face. I would never do that. But like <laughs> for me to yell at someone or kind of like tell them they're not doing the right thing was a really difficult thing. Even going into co- in college too, like I had a hard time with that. Really? Um, But I think my coach definitely like always like pushed me to like say things or like explain to the entire team. So like pushing me, kind of getting me out of my comfort zone with that stuff. And number three, I already expressed my appreciation for this during the interview, but I'm keeping it here. The fact that Sam did not make the U19 USA team, went through the entire tryout to the end and was made an alternate. She could travel with the team, but she couldn't step on the field, couldn't even sit on the sidelines at the games. She almost let it trip her up. And it sounded like it did trip her up her freshman year a little, but instead she used it as fuel. I definitely took it to heart going into school because I was going to be competing against all these girls that were on the team in college. And I was like, I should be out there. I should be playing. I should be on that team. And getting into college, I was like, it made it hard for me to adjust because I was just told that I wasn't good enough to play with these elite freshman coming into college. How many of us have had setbacks like that, where the people we respect tell us we're not good enough or our competition outperforms us? We say it so many times on this show, your story is not over. Don't act like it's the end. Keep moving, keep pushing. What blew me away about Sam, though, was that she bounced back from that freshman year that she had that was a little off kilter to be a Tawaratan Award nominee her sophomore year and then win it junior year. How sweet must that have felt? Not allowed on the field, then two years later, you're the best of the best. You need to listen to that, take it in, and realize how things can change, sometimes for the worse, but if you have the right attitude, can change for the better, and it's a drastic change at times. Okay, so your story is not over, but this episode is over. Thank you, Sam Apuzo. Thank you for listening. If you're new to 10,000 No's, you should know that you can check out the links in our show notes for more information about Sam, links to similar past guests like Boston College head coach Acacia Walker, uh, where to follow me on social media so you can get announcements and promo videos of who's next, be added to our mailing list, contact us or shop for t-shirts and hats in our store at 10,000nos.com. If you like what you heard, please rate, review, and subscribe on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen so you don't miss any episodes when they come out. And share it with your friends if you think it can help inspire them, get them out of a rut, or just entertain them. We'll see you next week. Go Eagles. Go Eagles.